0: Episode 99 of the False Neutral Podcast. I'm Pete. Garrett and Eric are with me this month. After having guests several times recently, it's just the three of us, we were social distancing before social distancing was cool. So uh, from three different states, welcome, and we'll talk about motorcycles, which is going to be different than everything you've heard for the last week or two.
1: I think I was in Maui for the last podcast with uh, with the guests, so I didn't get to join you for that. But I was in a better place than you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was fun.
2: We had a good reaction to, uh, to Bree being on, and she actually even was... She'd actually posted around uh, about being on the show, so that was cool.
0: And
1: we yeah. saw a nice little spike in our numbers last month, so... Did you all get any special coupons for half off a Royal Enfield motorcycle?
0: No. Not yet. She did say that she was willing to to provide some bikes if somebody wanted to ride them in Smackdab, and I followed up with an email, and I think she's probably a little busy right now. Yeah. I don't know what is going on, but she didn't get back with me, and I'm not going to push it because... I don't know how many people are gonna be sick come June nineteenth or whatever yeah. it is.
2: Well I know they were I know from her standpoint that um she's been busy with the work up to, to Daytona because they were doing a special uh race uh with Royal Enfields and some of the women for the right. dirt track stuff. So I think you've
1: yeah, right. been yeah.
2: pretty occupied with that. So yeah, but now that everything's shutting down, um might she might have more time to talk to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I uh am trying to talk myself out of buying a Royal Enfield. I, uh, you know, I've talked about this before, but there's a dealership up in Seattle just north of me, and, uh, they were a Royal Enfield dealer, and they have some of the colors of the, um, not the, what's, not the Continental GT. What's the other one?
0: Interceptor or the INT650. Uh, oh, no, no,
1: no, So, yeah, no, the Continental GT. That's the one I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, they don't, they don't have the color that I want, but if they did, oh, you might find me taking a trip up to Seattle sometime sooner than later. And I can bring the coronavirus back down with me. It's it's crazy up there.
0: We're all gonna get it eventually, so
1: Yeah. I of course not to sidetrack, but I, I work in the ICU, which is where these patients are coming, so on my unit we have active coronavirus. But I'm wearing all my protective gear, so I should be good yeah
2: speaking of, speaking of uh, gear garrett you've uh, you've had some gear out in the garage working and building some stuff
1: yeah i have a nice been, segue golf golf clap been building
2: yeah. and welding and
1: yeah i haven't so. um i haven't been able to get out into the garage as much lately just being so busy at work but i did Get all of my Z50 stuff powder coated. Last time when I was on the show, I talked, I think the engine was done. Right. Uh, so I got my tires mounted, um, everything powder coated. So it really, I just need to put the nuts and bolts together. So it's, you know, I have the sub assembly pieces kind of finished up, like the forks are ready to mount, the engine's ready to mount and all that stuff. So um, my Z50 project is coming along. It should have been done by now. And I promised that it, it would be because I intended to have it done for my son's fifth birthday, which was at the end of February. Uh, but I just couldn't quite get it done by then. So, um, I got him a bicycle for his birthday instead, and he'll get a motorcycle probably in a few weeks. So,
2: and then yeah. you were welding up the, the crank and the RZ.
1: Yeah. So that this engine is a friend of mine's and. He's, he's a good friend. And so I'm just doing this for nothing. And the thing with RZ crankshafts, like back when my dad was running his race shop, that was one of the things that I did was rebuild cranks. Now, this was before they really had aftermarket crankshafts for these motorcycles. So, um, on RZs, because the drive gears are helical cut, they sideload, uh, uh, with a lot of force. And what it'll do is actually pull the crankshaft apart. Because all of the crank wheels, the journals are pressed together with center pins, right? So like each piece of the motorcycle crankshaft is a separate piece. Um So with the side load on those helical cut gears will pull the wheels apart and you'll increase your uh, thrust clearance and your rods uh, a lot. And you'll actually pull the crankshaft apart so much that it'll start self-machining the cases <laughs> because, you know, it'll pull all the way up against the engine cases. So. Back in the day, the, what you would do is you'd press it all apart, rebuild it, press it back together. And at each time you press a wheel on, you would weld the pin, uh, so that the, the, the wheel couldn't come off the pin. And you would just weld each section as you moved out. Um, nowadays, aftermarket crankshafts come welded and they're so cheap now that f- for the most part, if you're going to rebuild one, it's, um, not much more money to just buy a whole brand new crankshaft ready to drop in. But, because I'm doing this engine for free and I'm trying to keep parts costs down for him. I just decided to rebuild the crankshaft for him, which is kind of funny. I haven't built one of those crankshafts in probably seven years now. So it felt kind of nostalgic to press one apart and put one back together and true it up. So, uh, yeah. So that crankshaft, I finished and then I was going to make another time-lapse of building the whole engine. So, on my bench in my shop, I have like every little piece laid out, engine cases sitting there. So I was just going to time lapse, build the whole engine and post that here probably in the next couple days. Cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, uh, you were getting some work done on Bolt Pete. Is that right?
0: Well, I'm, I'm doing a little bit when I can. We have so much clip. We've, been in this house over 25 years. So you just end up with clutter yeah. in so many corners of the house because it's easier to just leave something where it is. You know, it's kind of the difference between opt in and opt out. Mm-hmm. You have to actively move stuff. And if you don't do anything, it just continues to collect and it's easier to leave things where they are. So w- my wife and I were struggling with how to declutter. And one of the problems with trying to go through stuff is you need to have someplace. To put the stuff as you're going through it. It's kind of, I think I've used this analogy before. Uh, those little puzzles where they have 15 tiles and it's in a, in a 16 square block mm-hmm. and you have to move them around to get them in order. That's what we felt like we were doing in the house that yeah. every time you wanted to like go through a box, it's like, okay, I've got five different things thrown in a box together that I want to sort out. Where are those five boxes going to go once I sort them out? So, To make this story short, uh, we built a nice industrial shelving unit in our garage, but that ate up about 20% of my workshop space. So it was kind of a necessary evil. And I, I, at one point, I truly was having a little pity party for myself going, (laughs) am I just not that guy? Does, am I never going to get to the point where I, I have all the tools, I have the time, I have the space and I can do some of this stuff. And should I, should I just like, just walk away and I was like, no, 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 you're overreacting. So I have been aggressively organizing everything in my workshop to try and make it all fit in 80% of the space. So yeah. I've been going through everything st- stood there or sat there one whole morning for about 30 minutes, just looking at all the parts. Cause I've got, it's, it's a roller, you know, it's got an engine mm-hmm. in it and everything's bolted up enough that the wheels are where they're supposed to be and they have bearings and they can roll. Okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to tackle this? And I felt a little paralyzed of what do I do next? I wrote a, a punch list of everything that had to happen, and then I started trying to do a little Gantt analysis of what's my critical path and what's the thing that needs to get done next. I was like, okay, I have to, have to, have to get the engine bolted firmly in the frame. I got the swing arm on. I got the suspension on. The one thing that's still a big, iffy thing is the engine. So before I start rebuilding the engine, I wanted to have my back motor mounts done. So I, it was all kind of theoretical napkin stuff, and I was like, okay, I need to actually come up with dimensions for all this stuff. So I sat down over lunch one day. I did a scale 2D drawing, didn't do it in a CAD program. I actually did it in Illustrator because that's what I use all day at work. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people do that with the dimensions I knew and the dimensions I didn't know. And I went home, got a couple sets of calipers and a steel ruler and measured everything as closely as I could. And I was like, okay, I think I've got measurements that will allow me to start fabricating stuff and went to the, to metal by the foot, which is my local mm-hmm. metal stock store. And. Yep. And I've actually got everything almost together. The one thing I need to do is I'm going to have these little tabs that are going to uh actually be what lines up with the engine mounting holes. And those need to be welded onto a tube. And I think I'm just going to tack weld them and take them to Douglas Welding, my guy down the street that is – he's actually on my way to work. And I can call him up and say, hey, I want to drop these off, have them welded. So hopefully by next month, I'll have that all done. and. I think last time I shared with you guys that I had purchased an old BSA tank off of eBay. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed when I got it home. Well, I stripped all the Bondo off of it. And now I'm really disappointed because I'm not even sure it's usable. It This guy just filled in massive dents with, with easily three quarters of an inch of Bondo. (laughs) So I, 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 I put a stripper wheel on a drill and it took the bondo off pretty easily and it got down to metal. Uh It's been patched in a couple places because it had rusted through. One of them was braised and it looked like it was actually braised effectively, but not real skillfully because it's just big gobby brass globs yeah. on it. And on the other side, it was soldered, but the solder... They didn't like clean the rust off or anything. So I actually Mm -hmm. just took a a box knife and could just peel the silver solder off of (laughs) the thing because it wasn't even adhering to it. So I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what I'm gonna do with this, but
2: Well, here's your here's your opportunity. Get some Bondo, and then you and you make it look good again. And then they use that as a template, and then you create yourself a carbon fiber tank.
1: There you go.
0: Okay, you're assuming I have skill talent ability resources yeah i'm not cool enough to go to that party
2: (laughs) making making that stuff has actually become pretty easy i'll have to i'll find the link and share with you there's actually a there's a couple different places that basically sell you the kit and there's all the videos on youtube with them and they literally walk you through it and it's like my god i mean it's literally like if you can follow abc and d directions you can make this stuff
0: yeah well i think it goes back to watching wielding tips and tricks and, right, and you yeah. know you're like, oh yeah, he just did it. I'll just do that same thing. And you go out there, and he's like, yeah, it's.
2: And the other, I'm also informed. Uh, there's a guy named Mike Patey. He's a very wealthy person in Utah. He's made his a serial entrepreneur, but anyways, anyways, he's into airplanes. Uh, and he literally, like, on in this one video, made all the bodywork for an airplane that he's building out of carbon fiber. Like he started with, with aluminum to shape it and then, and then used that as a template and laid carbon fiber over it. And I'm not saying it was easy, but it wasn't that difficult either. And like, yeah, in, you know, so he's, like, is his airplane handled.
1: Draco or Drago,
0: yep. yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So, so his new one is called Scrappy.
0: If you haven't seen Draco, is it Draco or Draco? Draco, that's the that's the yeah. yeah. This is the you most amazing bush it. plane in the world. I, Go out on YouTube
1: and the guy like pretty much made it himself. Yeah, he took like, he re- took he took
2: something and then just completely rebuilt it into something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and that's what he's that's what he's wild. doing with scrappy. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's very cool. Uh, another thing that I've been seeing a lot of carbon fiber work in is the Super Mono replica Facebook group. Because I told you about my Aramaki, mm-hmm. you know, I on, well, I joined the group of people, small but active, on a Facebook group of guys that are building Super Mono replicas, and there's a lot of carbon fiber on a Super Mono, so these guys are, you know, making their own molds and doing their own infusion and vacuum sealing and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's very cool to see what people are doing, but yeah, I have. I have no intention of doing it. In fact, when I was going through all of my stuff just yesterday morning before work, I was going through, I've got a bookshelf down there and it's got, you know, everything from fogging oil to engine paint to gear oil bottles and everything. And I found a whole bunch of fiberglass and resin and... Filler and stuff that I bought from aircraft spruce and specialty probably 10 years ago. And I just put it in a box and never got it back out. Never had a chance to do anything with it. So someday I'd like to do some fiberglass stuff, but it's not going to be part of this project. It's, it, I, I'm like, just get to the end zone, just, just get to the finish <laughs> line, get something that runs. The interesting thing is I was also going through and I found an original Boltaco rear engine mount. And it's like one folded C-channel that's stamped and has a little steel dowel welded to it. It weighs, I'm guessing, 10 or 11 ounces. This monstrosity that I'm coming up with, the the arms on the outside that you had uh, laser cut for me, and these metal cross things and the rubber fittings that are going to rubber mount the back of it, it, this is going to end up weighing like two pounds. So I'm going the opposite direction of... Uh, A lightweight. Simplify and add lightness. You know, I'm just, I'm gonna have to weigh them both and go, yeah, I'm adding this much pointless lead to the project. But uh, speaking of the Aramaki, when I got everything organized, everything had its place except for the whole pile of parts for the Aramaki project that I don't intend on working on in forever. So I was like, oh, man, do I just get rid of this stuff? I don't have an attic. I don't have a shed. I don't have anywhere to put this. And anywhere else I put it in the house, it's just going to clutter up the things we're trying to declutter. I was like, what am I going to do? So I pushed the Boltaco out of the way because it's a rolling chassis. And I realized I'm going to have to take this all apart in order to finish these engine mounts. I'm going to have to totally deconstruct this. And I thought, I'm going to have two piles of bike parts that I don't have a place for. So... I went ahead and ordered some cheap IRC tires and some steering head bearings so that I can get to the point where I have the, the Aramaki assembled as a rolling chassis. And I'm going to make some engine mount plates enough to put the, the, the crappy Ducati cases at least bolted to it mm-hmm. so that I've got one big rolling pile instead of a whole bunch of <laughs> stuff that's and that way I can just easily roll it out of the way whenever it's in my way so that because I, I really can only have one disassembled motorcycle at a time so it's been a lot of cleaning things out organizing things and I I have a banker's box full of Honda single parts now some good not some less good and I'm like. I should just take this to the dump. This should just go out <laughs> in the trash. But it's things like, you know, I bought an XR200 alternator and alternator cover. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Am I ever going to want to ha- build another single? I don't know.
2: Here's where you take your, use your welder and all those, or your scrap parts. Oh, yeah and then you go to like an art fair and you get some ideas and like and then you start building like tables or uh lamps out of
0: yeah, all your
1: spare and parts you know stuff yeah. by, like 3500 bucks for <laughs> each piece
0: i did offer my kawasaki w650 i have a factory owners manual and i posted in a couple forums if anybody has a w650 you're like legit you currently own one not i might get one someday I will send it to you for the cost of shipping just to get it because I'm never going to own a W650 again. So it's like, I will give it to anybody who has it. So if any of our listeners have a W650, shoot me a Facebook message or shoot me a message from uh, on Universe, and I will be glad to send you a slightly smudged up copy. Some of it was in looking at this manual, I got to all of the parts and all of the steps to adjust the bevel tower Mm -hmm.
1: lash. I'm like, Oh yeah, I am never ever (laughs) getting into that motor. (laughs) Yeah. I don't blame you. It sounds like right now, Radwood events are canceled. And so we'll see what that, I hope that it's not going to impact their Northwest. Right. It shouldn't. I mean, I, f- I think that they did that one in the fall, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe summer. But I feel like things will be calmed down by then. So hopefully Radwood is in the northwest and I can finally bring the RZ to take the top motorcycle honors like it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had my RZ kind of stuffed in the corner of where I keep some of my motorcycles hooked up to a battery tender. Cause I knew I wouldn't be riding it anytime soon, but I did pull it out. I have, I just need to clean it and then I'll probably try to get some miles on it. Uh, we're supposed to have some pretty good, gee, what is that? Eric? Is that a dog?
2: Oh, you haven't seen Drogon lately?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not at that <that's> height. <laughs> I know, you know, listeners can't see, but that dog has to be at least four feet high. <laughs>
2: Not quite. It's
1: a puppy horse, but <laughs> that is a tall dog.
2: So, for perspective, if he stands in the kitchen, his chin clears the uh, the countertop by oh. two to four inches. So, yeah, that'll that'll give you a, that'll give you some perspective. So, he's an Irish Wolfhound.
1: Uh, so, at any rate, yeah, my RZ is is in my shop, parked, ready, pretty much to go on a ride. So, we're supposed to have some mid sixty degree weather this week, and hopefully, I can. Put a few miles on it for the first time ever. Cool. Yeah.
0: So it's fair weather
1: enough for your fair weather riding uh, habits. I don't know. I might make an exception just to ride it. Uh, I was going to ride my motorcycle to work. I had to go to a meeting outside of town, and it's you know traffic is usually pretty bad getting through the city. So I was going to ride my motorcycle so I could use the carpool lanes, and I knew it was going to be cold. So the night before, I got my like cold weather gear out and I was just gonna toughen up and do it so I could you know go through the carpool lane and not sit in traffic and then the morning came and my house thermometer said that it was 31 degrees outside and I immediately skipped that idea in favor of driving a car with heat to work so that was a little too cold but uh you know 62 degrees I might I might take a little ride on the RZ so
2: um have you guys seen that Justin Dawes is doing a, this deal with uh, Ural and uh, and going to do some stuff with his dog riding in the sidecar of the Ural?
1: Uh-uh.
2: Funny enough, called Dog on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is it going to uh, be on YouTube?
2: Yeah. Um, it's on there. He did like a preview of what of some stuff they're going to do, and it's on the, which one is this one? Motorcyclist? Yeah, Motorcyclist. Yeah. I got to find um. the right thing
1: speaking of youtube uh if you guys watch 44teeth you know they do their budget bike challenge and <laughs> so i f- i forget their names but one of them bought a yamaha r1 it was a, in pretty beat condition but like a 2004 five, six generation and then the other one bought a k6 gsxr 1000 and <laughs> they 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 went through like just untold effort to get this GSXR running correctly. They bought it off of Craigslist. It was like a track bike, um, pretty beat and they on the dyno, it would like have this misfire or hesitation or something like that in an upper RPM range. And they ended up going through like basically three top ends and. Three ECUs and like multiple wiring harnesses and ignition switches and stators and everything trying to figure out what was causing this. And they finally tracked it down to a timing chain that was just slightly stretched. But for whatever reason, really, the computer sensed that slight stretch in the timing chain and would basically like retard the timing of the engine. And and basically kill it, you know, kill the power.
2: Yeah. So, so they, that one has like an automatic chain, uh, cam chain tensioner. Yeah. And someone had pulled it. Now whether they were thinking they were like trying to get rid of it because it was bad, and they they went with like a manual one, or mm-hmm. they thought that was better for racing or whatever. Because you know how uh, as an X track guy person, you know, oh yes, yeah. this is what everyone does. So I'm there. So it was just off. It was just enough slack or too much slack in the ch- in the cam chain. Um, That, yeah, it was causing all those problems. They literally chased this thing for six months, if not longer.
1: So I watched the first episode of it. And, you know, I I love their their series anyways. But I watched the first episode and then, you know, the next week came around and there is nothing. And the next week came around and there is nothing. And it took forever. And then finally they posted a video because they hadn't really been able to get the series started because the motorcycle is having so many problems they posted a video of that. And so, uh, but just like last week, they finally fixed this motorcycle so they can continue on with the series. So I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's one of the better motorcycle YouTube shows. I think there is. So 44 teeth budget bike challenge. Yep. One last thing about YouTube too. Um, Ari Hanning and Zach courts are no longer on motor trend. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, cause they, they were on YouTube. They got picked up by Motor Trend and were doing their kind of same shows, but through Motor Trend on Demand. And they're they they did not renew the contract or whatever happens in those things. And uh but they got picked up by a media group that does RevZilla. So they're gonna be doing online videos uh through RevZilla. Um cool. Ari, Hennings at Courts and then Spencer, the other guy that was occasionally um, doing it also on YouTube. So, so they're going to be making their shows just through a different kind of parent company.
0: I mean, basically, they're doing stuff for the Revzilla channel, yeah. which is, you know, a yep. commercial outlet. At first, I was like, oh, bummer. And I thought Revzilla actually does a pretty good mm-hmm. job of yeah. having unbiased stuff. It's not all just a uh a lure to get you yeah. to buy something. They're actually kind of selling the motorcycle experience. And if they can get you excited about bikes, yeah. they're willing to yeah. do that. So
1: and I didn't watch Ari Henning and Zach Courts very much on Motor Trend because it just the it didn't have the same feel of when they were doing it on YouTube. And it just didn't really do it for me. So I, I wasn't really that interested in watching them. So maybe with with RevZilla, they'll have a little more freedom and be able to do what they had done in the past and make a show that's kind of worth watching. So we'll see. Yeah. I look forward to it. I uh,
2: I found what I was looking for. It was an MC commute. So did either of you watch the MC commute with the uh, Harley Davidson Livewire?
1: No, I did. Was not. Was it um, one of the MC commutes with the new guy?
0: yeah adam Wahid, yes
1: oh uh i think i did watch some of that
0: i watched a couple with him and just really i didn't continue he's, he's
2: different than he's so different than zach yeah
0: yeah i don't like it well i f- i felt there were a couple of things he said that were he's not the expert that yeah. he was. <laughs> i mean he, he said a couple of things and i'm like Oh, that was a little cringy. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I I think that I watched like one or one and a half of his um, commutes, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I just couldn't uh, watch it. It was it was cringy.
2: As someone who does videos, um, they could cut about five minutes off of most of his stuff, and you wouldn't lose yeah. anything there. Um, it was just it was interesting because I was watching it and. It was interesting, but it's almost like Harley gave him their PR script yeah, and he wasn't repeating it verbatim, but it was really close and it didn't sound, I don't want to say it didn't sound sound objective. Yeah, well, not genuine. How do I describe it? Like, like literally he's just regurgitating it as the content rather yeah. than being objective like that. Eh. And a couple of times he calls him on some stuff. But I'm just like, yeah. it was, now that some of those first uh the reviews and the rides are coming out on, I was just curious if you guys had seen that particular one. So, Uh
1: I, yeah, maybe just a little bit of it.
2: Gotcha. Electric motorcycles, a thing, but maybe not. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I was reading a little bit earlier Cycle World's review of the 2020 Zero SRS mm-hmm. um, with, you know, a claimed 140 foot pounds of torque. My issue with electric bikes historically has just kind of been that they don't really look great. Um, but the Zero kind of has the look of the Triumph Daytona, especially in the rear section. It just has, you know, a good look to it. And that, Makes a crap ton of power. Yeah. So you know now they you know they have the looks and the range is becoming acceptable and yeah they're not so offensive looking. I, I don't think know. That, I still I don't know if I'm ready for electric bikes yet though personally.
2: They've got to do there's I don't know two to three things for me for for to to work for me is if you're gonna have limited range you got to have level three charging in your bike yeah so that it so that you can recharge it in under 30 minutes. Yep. Um, if, if you have the facilities available to you, and within a couple of years, that will be. Um, two is there's nothing you can do right now just based on that's a solvable issue. Two is not yet, and that's um, weight. Yeah. Battery, battery chemistry just doesn't allow for that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing is I think they need transmissions. Even yeah. if it's only like a three speed transmission, because yes, you have all this torque off the, off the hit, but as you wind it up, once you get to a certain spot, the efficiency of that motor drops off rather quickly. And if you really want to have some fun with a, with an electric bike, just you don't have to gear it tremendously, but just being able to, um, second, like a second and a third gear to, to help you more with the mid and the top end of it would be. Yeah make a big difference. And it probably might help the range too, because you're not geared so crazy.
0: The only thing is there's not, it's not like a a reciprocating engine. There's not a whole lot of efficiency difference spinning an electric motor
1: a little faster.
2: They, uh, from a draw standpoint versus power delivered after they get past a certain point. And I, I've been scratching notes to do this longer involved article about electric versus hydrogen. Um But there is a spot where pat, when they spin past a certain point that it's advantageous to be geared to keep them in this uh optimum optimum range for efficiency, not only from a power but from a power draw standpoint, so
0: yeah, well, I will trust that you know more than I do because I haven't done any research. Although lately it doesn't seem like research is necessary for forming an opinion about complex and uh, <laughs> difficult to understand
1: <laughs> subjects. I don't know what you're talking about, Pete.
2: <laughs> you, you literally name anything right now and that's an appropriate comment to it. So,
0: uh, speaking of electric bikes and you, Garrett, you're saying you haven't liked the looks of them. Have you seen the Persang? electric hey. it uh, they call it a scrambler it's really a soft rotor it's it's a street bike with some cool tires on it but that's cool and uh, i like it yeah it, it's actually a spanish company that is totally unrelated to the other the boltaco electrics that went out of business a gentleman i know I don't know him personally. I know him on Facebook says that all of these electric motorcycle makers out of Spain are total scams that are just getting the government seed money and have no intention of staying in business past when the seed money runs out, which I thought was a very interesting and he may not have done any research and may not know, have, have any idea what he's talking about. So I'll put a picture of it in the. In the Hooniverse Um, uh, chat,
1: I'm just uh, I'm noticing that there's uh, what I think are a lot of KTM parts on this. I am almost certain that's a KTM rear swing arm and KTM front fork. Oh, really? Yeah, and there's like motocross bits on here. Like those are motocross foot pegs and the rear suspension link and rear brake master cylinder. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of KTM parts on this.
0: And they're going to have two versions of this. The one that I showed you is the upscale version with a aluminum frame. And, uh, I don't know if it's a different motor or just probably just more amps in the battery pack. They're also going to have a kind of an entry level one. That's going to have a little bit less range and a steel frame and doesn't have all the carbon fiber bits on it. And it, I thought that looked good as well. Interestingly so, enough, there's a yeah. "big
2: bore" on the side.
0: Yeah, they originally were yeah, going to call. <laughs> well, <laughs> kind of ironic. <laughs> it, it's the deluxe one, and the original idea was the Persang was available in a you know the open class motocross version of it. They were trying to emulate that, and they realized that okay, yeah, there really is no bore to speak of. So they they changed it into. I don't know, they gave it some kind of alphanumeric name or something yeah. like that.
1: Well, it looks like, um, I'm on an article from Right Apart right now, but it looks like the nice one, the the higher-end model one is uh, US $14,000, $14,700, and the other one's just about 10000 Uh a little under 10000 So so uh, that's less than a zero, a lot less than a zero, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I I like the look of these kind of urban scrambler things too. So, if it just uses a bunch of KTM parts and maybe some borrowed technology, and maybe it fits reliable, it might be a good option. It looks like um, they launch in May, so just a couple months from now.
0: I don't know if they're ever going to come to the United States, though. Well, they yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, in other news, the news is that. BMW has announced that they're going to announce the R18 <laughs> next month. I'm like, really? That's a press release? That's a
1: press release that BMW would do.
0: Yeah. We have news. The news is we're going to have news yeah. later. Yeah.
2: <laughs> stand by to stand by. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, although there have been
0: some spy pictures of the... uh I, It looks like they're going to have three versions. They're going to have a kind of a bagger version, a cruiser version, and something along the lines of a... More standard version, so it'll be interesting to see what that ends up between the spy photos and the patent images that have been leaked. Uh, you kind of see what it's going to look like, but how many versions they're going to have and exactly what the specs on it. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I was going to had...
1: ask you, like, what are your thoughts on this? Because this, like, this is a, a very unique item in the motorcycle world. Like, you know,
0: it kind of reminds me of the rocket three. Yeah. Let's come up with some kind of weird engine configuration that is just absurdly oversized. Unfortunately, I think the rocket three is really cool. And I think this just, it's a plus size something or other. I mean, it, it looks cartoony. Well, yeah. Yeah. The heads are so big and the whole thing is so bulbous. It looks like one of those inflatable motorcycles that you would see, like, you know, as a promotional item or Malcolm Forbes motorcycle hot air balloon that he made yeah. a generation ago.
1: This motorcycle, it's something that I like looking at. Like, if it were a custom. And then I'm talking about the like, it looks like there are a few different versions, but the one that's almost like a bobber, you know, that looks kind of like it just has a gas tank and it almost looks like a hard tail, except there's the shock under the seat. It's something like if it were a custom, I like looking at it, but I just couldn't ever imagine it being a practical bike that would be like sold on a scale.
2: Yeah, the one the one I'm looking at on Ride Apart, I, I don't mind the styling on that too much but the one what was this other site that i looked at car and bike which might be like an indian site or something like that i don't know um it looks like when yamaha was trying to ca- copy harley davidson but then they put like a you know an old boxer uh bmw boxer engine in it yeah it's <laughs> like some kind of weird combination of those two yeah so the one the one there that's what that looks like so it's like kind of
0: odd <laughs>
1: mhm i mean yeah i don't mind looking at it uh but...
0: On the the standard cruisery one, they're not really fishtail pipes. They're just these. I don't know how to say it, it, it. They have this huge bulge in the mufflers, and I think it's supposed to kind of balance out the really huge cylinders hanging off the side. But it looks like
1: some somebody- kind of like, like 50s hot rods exhaust
0: yeah but it kind of makes me think of somebody doing hydroforming for the first time and didn't know what it was going to look like before they yeah, they fair. expanded it
1: it yeah. it's
0: just a weird shape and yeah I'm,
1: what was that bmw like cruiser that they made
0: the r1200c yeah is that
1: what i'm about? Like, the one
2: James Bond Road in one of the movies.
1: Yeah, the one that 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 had the
0: telelever front end on it or whatever it was. Yeah, and that's they son- what this reminds me
2: of. Sounds like, sounded like an angry hot air popcorn machine as it went down the road.
0: <laughs> it, yeah. I have to say on ADV Rider they have an ugly motorcycle thread. Uh huh. And that one gets posted there pretty regularly. And I have to say I agree that it's atrocious, it's really ugly. I mean, it is, it's an absurdly weird motorcycle. Yeah. But looking at it, I can almost see why somebody would be attracted to owning it, not necessarily to look at it, but to ride it. Yeah. (laughs) The ape hangers are really weird on it. Yeah. (laughs) And way too tall. Yes. But I've, I've seen a picture of somebody that put more normal handlebars on it. And they put a backrest on it, and the guy was like, "It's really comfortable." I, I I didn't talk to personally; I was just reading online, and the guy was like, "Yeah, it it's a really comfortable, smooth, enjoyable bike to ride." And I agree, it's ugly, but I I love it. Sounds yeah, like yeah,
1: that's fair. But that's what the, the R eighteen kind of reminds me of. Not that ugly, but it's just something that it's not in BMW's wheelhouse.
0: Cruisers have never been in their... Answer to a question no one ever asked. asked.
1: Yeah. Yes. That, exactly.
0: And I'm thinking you're going after Harley as Harley's, you
1: know, kind of fragging. It, it's...
2: You're 15 years late to the custom bike scene?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the Honda Fury kind of thing? I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just, like, you're just like you're outside of your wheelhouse and you should stop. Yeah. <laughs>
0: or the... Harley Pan American. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> they announced the R18 concept by what, like 18 months, two years ago, something like that. When it first broke, I'm, I may be exaggerating that, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the Pan American, they're still sh- in the Bronx. They're still showing styling prototypes.
2: Uh, Harley. Well, there's a couple things with Harley. A, they've had a huge management turnover, including their CEO right signing was it, a couple months ago their financials are going through the floor so them putting money in a new product which they need to do they're scared to do because they don't know what the hell's going on
0: since i work at a yeah, company that says
2: that supplies parts yeah. yeah
0: the feedback that our guys that talk to their guys have said is they're kind of freaked out because they know they have to get it right right out of the gate yeah that this has to be a home run and there can't be any niggling quality issues there can't be cuz uh, one of the things the feedback that i've seen from people that have looked at the styling prototypes close up is it has street 750 levels of you know like exposed wires and rough edges it does not have that harley big twin everything looks like a jewel Everything fits together night it's just not there. And they're like, Is this what it's gonna look like? And and the answer that you get is we're aware of the level of fit and finish that our customers expect. Okay, you didn't answer whether this is what you're gonna sell or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice non answer. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so oh, Yeah, they're they're in trouble. Which uh on the other side, I saw a what well, the, the one day it was nice last week. So and there were a bunch of bikes out. I did see an Indian Scout, mm-hmm. I think. I don't want to ride it, but it looks good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it looks that the proportions on it are are dead are are dead nuts perfect. So, um, but yeah, the three inches of uh, max of of suspension travel. Yeah, no, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Oh
0: well and they just introduced a new FTR there's going to be a new new version of it
2: yeah they're doing a scrambler version which uh isn't very scrambler scramblery
0: it just seems like scrambler you just stick it on anything now yeah yeah <laughs> i realized that scrambler was misused starting in the late 60s Because scrambles used to be motocross Mm -hmm. before motocross was the name of it. But those were mostly, you know, a BSA or a Triumph that you took the lights off and you put high pipes on. But then, like, if you go back and you look at a lot of the quote unquote scramblers from Bridgestone Yamaha, the Big Bear Scrambler was their street bike with high pipes. And for a long time, a scrambler was just a regular street bike with maybe a, a, a little bit different tire tread on it. And high pipes. So it was a street bike that looked like a dirt bike, but wasn't. The The big chrome pipes above the crankcase was the kind of signature thing. And somewhere along the way, scrambler doesn't mean anything that I can recognize anymore. This is what makes something worthy of being called a scrambler.
2: I'm, I, I'm interested to see what Motorcycle.com is going to do with this scrambler comparison they're working up. Yeah. That's where I saw that Indian, and I'm just like, (laughs) ah. How about no?
0: (laughs) It's kind of like coupe. A two-door fastback is no longer, you know, because there's four-door coupes and comfort coupes and all the SUV coupes. Yes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's just a marketing term now. Yeah. And on that bombshell.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I assume that you have not done anything with your Yamaha. Nope. Uh, i thought
2: about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now that the weather seems to be turning a little bit and spring is, you know, well, spring in Michigan is always a crapshoot, but at least it's light past five o'clock now. Um, Actually, till about, well, seven o'clock, it's still light out right now. So um, there's uh, there's more opportunity to get some stuff done here. So. So yeah, fingers crossed that sometime this year that'll be put back together and running. So yeah. <laughs> more more so just to get the damn thing done and running again. <laughs> right. You know? Uh but yeah. Yeah, no nothing too exciting in here. Uh, just yeah.
0: Garrett, what do you what do you expect to have done for not putting you on the spot, but what are you guessing you will have done for next month that we can talk about?
1: So the XR Or, uh, Z50R, that'll be done. Um, certainly I'll have gone on a ride on the RZ350. Uh, so my FZ1 seat, it's a Corbin seat and it's just a piece of garbage. And, uh, which may or may not be Corbin's fault. I don't want to crap on them. It's just, I think the previous owner was maybe had short legs. And so it's, you know, thinner than probably it should be in it. The seat foam is too firm. So I'm going to, and it's just too slick. It's like, an ice rink on top of that seat. So I was going to drop it off to my local upholster and look through some fabrics and have them stitch a new seat top for it and change the foam out. So I can actually ride it for more than 50 miles without my butt hurting. Um, so I'm going to have that done.
0: So yeah. what, what project is going to come up next after the, after the Z 50, is it going to be your KX? Is it going to be yeah the, the,
1: the KX just because it's, been taken apart for too long the other projects that i have i haven't started on them they're still in like original project form the kx you know i disassembled entirely and i just need to get it refinished and put back together um so that's that's definitely the next one
2: what about you pete
0: well i'll have hopefully a rolling chassis of the one that i'm not working on and the other one taken apart and put back together and hopefully uh start working on the engine. I I've had two engines for a while and I've been going back and forth on what I wanted and I'm going to hit the easy button and take the one that's complete and take it apart and I might have a crank that I need to send to somebody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> somebody who
0: knows how to take a two-stroke crank apart and put it back together. Uh-huh. So. Uh, easy, la- easy. La- last time I worked on a two-stroke, I sent it to Mr. Crank. and Yeah. The day I got it back, and it was fine. But mm-hmm. I might see how busy you are and whether you want to tackle that and also find out how bad the crank looks when I get it apart. So
1: Yeah, that'll probably depend on how the coronavirus is going to end up because I might be working yep. six or seven days a week. Yep, yep.
0: I realize that, so. And who knows? I may not get to it for six months if other things all fall apart. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) next month will be the 100th episode. There is a new addition to the Hooniverse podcast network where we were last man standing there for a while. But there is a new podcast that uh, I think they've got five or six episodes out. Uh off the Road Again, which is an overlanding and 4x4 podcast by two of the newer members of the staff, one of them local to me here in Kansas City. So uh, if you're interested in all, in you know, Pathfinders and stuff like that, give that a listen. You can find them on Huniverse as well, and uh, we'll still be showing up once a month as we always are.
2: Yep. Speaking of Hooniverse, I just put up, as we record this yesterday, my review of the Subaru Outback went up, so go read that. And I should have two or three more reviews coming up in the next couple weeks as well.
0: Cool. And that when cool. you talk about Drogon trying to fit your dog into the car. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Well, we'll see y'all next month, and until then, take it easy and ride safe. Yes. Oh, cool. Okay.